Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life, so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and as always in our show notes are our social media links and all of the other places where you can contact us. Our email address is included if you have a topic or question or a suggestion. We'd love to hear from you. In this week's batch of episodes, we're going to talk about something that has harmed many, many people, and that, of course, is gossip. How many lives do you think have been ruined thanks to this type of speech? If you look the definition for gossip up, it's defined by the Apple Dictionary as a casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Its second definition is that it's a chiefly derogatory definition. It's a person who likes talking about other people's private lives. And according to another study, 80% of our conversations are spent discussing other people and their habits. This same study suggested that only 5% of gossip is malicious. You know, that really doesn't sound that bad, does it? Only 5% of gossip is malicious. You might be thinking, then maybe it's okay for me to gossip, but let me, let me kind of show how this might not be the best news. I looked up leading causes of death, and I want to show you an idea and give you this idea of what, is, what were the leading causes of death, I should say, 6% or lower. There were chronic lower respiratory diseases. That was only 5.9%, but it killed 155,041 people. There were unintentional injuries, or as we call them, accidents, 5.6%, but that killed 146,571. Stroke is a 5.3% cause of death. Number of deaths a year, 140,323. And finally, Alzheimer's disease came in at 3.9%, and it kills 110,561 people a year. You see the point? 5% is not a small number. It's not always a small number. For instance, our population, if you look it up, as of 2017, is 325.7 million people in the United States. 5% of that is 16,285,000. If 5% is done maliciously, then it will harm over 16,285,000 people. Does that seem like a small amount of people? I want us to talk about, in this first episode about gossip, the idea that gossip is a condemned speech in the Bible. And then in the next episode, we'll look at examples of gossip. But first, I want you to think about the idea of gossip being condemned. Some people do believe that gossip, it's no big deal. It's just something that we do. Everyone does it. It's just the way a small town is. Or, I'm not telling you anything I wouldn't say to their face. Or, make sure you don't tell this to anyone. Keep this between you and me. I don't think they would mind me telling you this. While there are definite things that sometimes need to be discussed in private... Many times we simply use that as a justification to gossip. I'm not talking about an eldership who has to sit behind closed doors and talk about a particular matter that no one else in the congregation can know about. 
I'm not even talking about a preacher who at times had to privately counsel one of the members about an addiction that he is facing or a problem that he's facing. And he goes home and the wife asks, how did it go? And he says, I can't talk to you about it. I'm not saying that there will never be a time where things can't be discussed privately. But oftentimes we utilize these things to justify us gossiping. God has never given a justification to spreading rumors about people, ever. There has never been a time in Scripture where gossip is allowed. And in fact, I'll include these in the show notes. But I want you to notice in the Old and New Testament all the places that gossip is condemned. It's condemned multiple different times in the Old and New Testament. And when I think about gossip, I also think of the New Testament, and I want to think with you for just a few moments from the book of James and his perspective, because James gives me a perspective about gossip that is so impressive, because he doesn't just talk about gossip, he's speaking about the tongue in general. I want you to think about all of the damage that the tongue can do. In James chapter 3, beginning in about verse number 3. Kind of giving some context to this, James has been discussing about the idea of don't let people become teachers necessarily. There are many people don't become teachers knowing that you'll receive a stricter judgment. He's putting an emphasis there on the people who want to become Bible class teachers or preachers that you understand that when you do that, You're opening yourself up. Why is that the case? Because the tongue is one of the most powerful parts, if not the most powerful part of the entire body. It can make or break a relationship with somebody. It can make or break a relationship with a country, with your family. And so he begins to tell why people need to be cautious about becoming teachers in verse 3. He says, We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we can turn their whole body. You ever thought about that? You see these massive animals, and people are riding on the back of them, and the way that they tell them which way to go is with this little tiny piece of metal that's put into their mouth. I remember the first time I ever got to ride on a horse. I was with my family, and we were on vacation, and the horse that I was put on the back of, I'd never ridden a horse before. I was very nervous. And they just told me, just be calm, hold the reins, you steer the horse, you tell it where you want to go. And that automatically made me feel better. Kind of felt empowered. Okay, I'm in charge. And so when I wanted to go left, I pulled to the left. When I wanted to go right, I pulled to the right. When I wanted to go straight, I didn't tug at all. I just let the horse go. I'm not a very experienced rider. To my knowledge, that's the only time I can remember riding a horse But I remember how impressive it was that that little tiny bit is what controlled that whole horse. And James is talking about that this tiny bit is placed where? It's placed upon the tongue. And the pain that is put through that bit upon the tongue causes the horse to turn its whole body. And you even look at ships, he goes on to say in verse 4. They're large and driven by these fierce winds, but they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Even so, the tongue is this little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? 
Do you remember the fires of Gatlinburg that happened recently in the last couple of years now? It destroyed parts of Gatlinburg. In fact, I know of a congregation that's building burned down, the Gatlinburg Church of Christ. They're in the process of rebuilding as we're recording this podcast, but that fire started small and spread and spread. It's absolutely amazing what a little fire can turn into. And the tongue, verse 6, is a fire. A world of iniquity, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird and reptile of creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. I'm always amazed by that verse. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. And I think the reason that verse blows my mind is that that means that even the best men and women that you and I know have had moments where they've said something they shouldn't have said. Even the greatest gospel preachers and all of the other people in the world, they have had moments where they let something slip out that they shouldn't have had slip out. What's the lesson? The lesson is simple. Since we understand that the tongue is this unruly evil, and it's this deadly poison, and just like the bits in a horse's mouth or the rudder on a small ship, it can turn our whole body every which way it desires, I need to understand that the words that I say matter. And the words that you say matter. Look at verse 10 and see the point that James makes. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You know, from the same mouth that I have used to praise God and to sing songs of praise and to pray to Him and to do all of the things that are pleasing to Him, at the same time I have in the past used that tongue for evil. And I have caused much damage with it. I'm reminded of a story I always used to hear growing up. And really, there's two different ways of this. I'd like to tell both of them as we kind of bring this episode to a close. The first story, both of them have to deal with a father and his son, but the first story, you have a little boy who had gone out and done some things that he shouldn't have said, said some things he shouldn't have said, and so his dad decided he was going to teach him a lesson. And so he asked him, to take a small bag of feathers and to go place a feather upon everyone's doorstep and then to go retrieve them the next morning. What do you think the little boy found? But hardly any of the feathers were retrievable. And he went back to his father and said, I couldn't find all of the feathers. To which his father responded, 
It's exactly what happens when we spread things. We can't bring it back. Another little boy did something very similar, and his father told him to take a nail for each transgression that he had done and drill it into a plank. And so the little boy did, and then he was told to go and make things right with each individual, and every time he did, he could remove a nail. And so he did. And after the last individual... was faced and the problem was corrected the little boy went back and removed the last nail but still noticed the holes in the wood you know I can say a lot of things in this life that hurt people and I can then turn around and apologize to them but many times the things that I have said are still there in their mind they still remain and it is incredible to me at how many people spend time speaking about things that they don't understand the entire story to. They don't take the time to fact check. Many of our problems in the world could be solved if people would simply do their own due diligence, especially for Christians. I can't just take somebody's word for something. Not that I don't want to or that I... Don't trust anybody. But I have seen people, and we're going to talk about them in the next episode. The Bible has shown us people who have gossiped and lied and done everything that they can to basically try to get their own way or to spread their own agenda. In 2 Peter or 1 Peter 2 and verse 12, Peter writes, But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil things that they do not understand. They speak evil of things they don't even know about. And they will utterly perish in their own corruption. Is that going to be the case for you or for me? It could be. I don't want it to be, but it could be. We have a responsibility to govern our tongue as best as we can. Now understand, like we talked about, it's not going to mean that you're going to be perfect and never, ever again stumble. But we have to know. We have to know that the Bible is right and when it tells me that the tongue is an unruly evil, I then need to be very careful how I use it, especially when it comes to gossip. My life is far better when I do it, and your life will be far better if you do it. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of Far Better, and don't forget our social media links and other things are down in the show notes, as well as the Old and New Testament scriptures that have gossip being condemned. And I hope you'll tune in to the next episode, which is examples of gossip, both examples in our own life and biblical examples. And I hope that you please God now so that your eternity is far better.